I'm Jim Hutchinson, and this is our January 19th video fishing forecast for the New Jersey, Delaware Bay region. The good news is that we've just passed the halfway point of the meteorological winter, which basically runs from December 1st through Feb February 28th. So basically, we're on the other side of the hill, screaming for the finish line on that March 1st Back Bay Striped Bass opening in the Garden State on March 1st. So yes, that feels like good news. I'll take it anywhere I can get it. Regrettably, I don't really have a lot of good news after that. Everything that we've been talking about the last few weeks, tog, white perch, and a few straggling stripers, it's just getting quieter and quieter. We are in the third week of January, so what would you expect? So let's hit that right off the bat. Number one, in terms of your fishing options right now is blackfish or totog. We did speak about that 21 and a half pounder out of Cape May last week. Well, the other big fish that I got word of out of Ocean City, Maryland is definitely worth taking a listen to. Now, IGFA world record holder Ken Westerfeld is from New York. He continues to go down to fish the fish bound four out of Ocean City, Maryland. Now, Kenny last week took Jennifer Zupi, Zupe, Zup, Zupi, and her husband on this trip on Cap Captain Canebound's boat last week. So you got the world record holder and Jennifer right by his side. Jennifer catches a 23 pound, four ounce tog, which regardless of whether or not the IGFA recognizes a women's world record for tog, this is the largest tog ever landed by a female angler. Congratulations, Jennifer. She was using a Jigging World Night Ranger Nano Carbon 7.5 foot casting heavy, along with a Z-Blade 5.0 octopus hook. Now you can find those rods, those outfits, at Tackle World in New Rochelle. Tackle World is the, is the shop, Jigging World is the brand. So if you're looking for one of those outstanding uh, um, uh, Jigging World outfits, go into Tackle World, say, I wanna fish with the jumbo tog rod that you have here. So Jen is in line for a couple of line class rec records for that tog, but it's just incredible. That was on Kane Bounds Fish Bound 4. The guy is definitely dialed in on some of those big fish. Now the Jersey Shore head boats continue to sail for blackfish. This continues. Um, they're going out to the eastern grounds here out of the New Jersey Inlet. Shark River, for example, you've got the Big Mohawk, the Skylarker, as well as the Ocean Explorer. They're finding some wreck life, a little bit. It's kind of picky, one day is decent, other days you find life, but it's small fish, but those boats continue to sail for tog. Out of Manasquan, you have the Jamaica continuing to sail, the Jamaica too, continuing to sail for tog. In fact, Kareem Troutman, caught his personal best, 12 pounds, 10 ounces this week. Other tog boats include the Gambler, as well as the Dauntless. On the other side of the Manasquan in Brielle, you have the big Jamaica going offshore on weekends for those porgies, cod, pollock, and yeah, even some weak fish in the mix as well. But things have really started to quiet down quite a bit in the southern part of the state. If they weren't already really quiet, they're dead quiet right now. Um, the, the ports out of Atlantic and Cape May counties um, into Delaware, some of the guys who are still chasing stripers outside of Cape May and Lewis up until last week, most are pulling their boats and um, just getting some of that service done. 
I did speak to South Jersey Marina this week. They said they, they don't have anybody really running for those stripers at this point. So just keep in mind, we've got six weeks now until March 1st and that back bay opening for striped bass. So that's when things will really kick back into gear. And I'm wondering, hoping, I guess, that a lot of those striped bass that were being caught last week, they're just the ones that are set up. Maybe they're offshore at this point, but those are going to be the Delaware staging fish uh, when we have that spring spawning run. You do have boats, of course, out of Cape May County. You got the Starfish and the Cape May Lady, party boats that continue to sail for TOG on a regular basis. So you, can, you have that opportunity. And if you're looking for TOG options out of Delaware, I would recommend that you call the folks at Lewis Harbor Marina in Lewis, Delaware, to see which boats are continuing to sail there. Outside of that, it is, as we've talked about in recent weeks, white perch. That is one of the, the top options, especially as we get into the quieter month of February, when it just seems like the, the shortest month of the year is the longest one in total. So white perch, if you're looking for white perch baits, like bloodworms, well, you've got True World Tackle in Bayonne. Akira tells me that he's going to continue to have bloodworms available because a lot of folks like to white perch along the Hackensack River and along the railings there along the Hudson River. Think Jersey City and options like that. You've got hookhouse bait and tackle. Dennis in Tom's River says he continues to have bloodworms available. The bite along the Tom's River, mostly a night bite, an evening bite, he said it's kind of quiet. And a lot of guys are getting bloodworms from him and been going down to the Mullica, which is where you have... Justin at Allen's Dock. Justin tells me he doesn't have bloods, but if you stop by, he might have some ideas on some locations where you can set up to catch white perch. Dave at Absecan Bay Sportsman in Absecan. He's got the baits, he's got the local intel. So if you're looking for white perch, you might want to stop there. And of course, you got Bucktail Outfitters in Maze Landing, right there along the dock there, the Maze Landing, um, the bulkhead there. That's often been a place that has produced white perch, and the folks at Bucktails usually have both the bloodworms, and they always have the specifics. Now, this Saturday, January 21st, you can join the Fisherman Magazine out in Warminster, PA, at the VA German Club from 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. The Delval Surf Anglers 14th Annual Fisherman's Flea Market with new and used fishing tackle, rods, reels, plugs, collectibles, all that good stuff. John DeBona from the Fisherman Magazine will be there of course, we're going to do subscriptions, and I'll have those BKK hooks and fish bites, the Fight Club, uh, uh, beautiful baits for, for fluke and sea bass. That is your gift with a new or renewing subscription. So you'll get that at the DelVal event this Saturday, January 21st. And definitely, definitely, when you get those fish bites, hold on to them in the tackle box because you're going to want them on the fluke grounds this season. For more than 20 years, anglers everywhere have come to know one thing, that nothing says no to fish bites. New York Boat Show is coming up, the Big Rock and Scabelli extravaganza in Seaside, and a handful of dead whales causing all kinds of concern in South Jersey. But first, let's check in on the New Jersey and Pennsylvania freshwater options with my man George, the Pocono Outdoors guy. 
Well, hey, thanks, Jim. You know, you'd think it was Groundhog Day with every week kind of being the same thing here. Uh, still no ice to be heard of here in, uh, in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, so anglers are still out looking for some open water options to fish. Now, one thing that is good all winter long we keep talking about is the trout bite. Uh, in fact, Rich Bates, he was uh, last week, got himself a nice muskie. This week, he's up on the upper Delaware getting himself into some beautiful rainbow trout. And uh, I'll tell you, the bite couldn't be better up there. Also, if you go a little bit further south in some of the creeks down there in Bucks County, Eric Goodstall is finding his way to, to get into some of those native brown trout. So some great fishing there. But I'll tell you what, one of the things I like is uh, Jen Wong checked in from uh, New Jersey, and he's been uh, throwing some jerk baits for some of those toothy critters. Got himself into a really nice northern pike, and that's certainly my, my pick for catch of the week. So great work there, Jen. Guys, I hope you get out. There's still lots of fishing. I know the ice isn't there, but there's lots of options. Just get out in the water and do some fishing, and don't forget to send us those picks. From Pennsylvania, I'm George, your Pocono Outdoors guy. The New York Boat Show is coming up next week, January 25th to the 29th. You'll find us, The Fisherman Magazine, at booth number 658 there at the Javits Center. Get all the show information as well as some discounted ticket offers at nyboatshow.com. Closer to home next weekend, you've got the annual winter sales event at Grumpy's. That's Saturday and Sunday, January 28th and 29th. I'm going to try to head out myself to Seaside next week to give a look at things before the big event. But they're gonna be setting up and as history repeats itself, if it does, you're gonna find some big lines at Grumpy's early next Saturday morning because everybody wants Big Rock, everybody wants a Scabelli, right? Expect those big lines out there. We're gonna to try to report from Seaside that week because, well, everybody wants the, the lures that work, right? So what three lures would you put in your checked bag if you're flying to Florida? Well, we checked in with noted surfcaster, kayak angler, fluke sharpie, and all-around great guy, John Skinner, who does a lot of fishing in Florida, asked him, what three lures can you not go without if you're going fishing on the inshore flats, skinny waters of Florida? Here's what John had to say. Well, you know, the first thing I would have is, you know, if I could only have one lure, it would be a, um, a jerk bait on a swim bait hook. So this happens to be, um, and, and I use this a lot, this is a 1 8 ounce 3-0 uh, jerk bait hook. And these are really easy. They've got a spring. So pretty much, and I can show this because it's quick enough to do. There's, you know, you've got a spring, you've got a little bit of weight. I often use 1 of an ounce on the flat. That would be uh, the most common one. And you just screw the front on and then these, they all have a slot on the bottom. It's really important to hit that slot, come out like dead center of the top, and you want it to lay nice and flat like that. You don't want to have a bend in it or anything. Now, this happens to be a uh, zoom jerk shad. I often use, and pretty much most of what I use, are the gulps. The problem with the gulps is that in some areas, the pinfish and the pufferfish, there's too many of them, and they'll destroy uh, the gulp in that situation. So I'll use something like a Zoom or Salt Strong makes uh, good lures like this. Many companies make them. And so this would probably be number one. And what I like about this, it catches everything. Uh, I have quartz tarpon on this particular zoom um, but snook redfish trout 
All of them hit this. You can make it weedless. If you push it up, you bury that hook into the soft plastic, it just became weedless. You can skip this under mangroves because it will skip. Um, so it's just got so many things going for it. Everything eats it. If I could only have one lure, that's it. That's the one. Okay, that said, another lure that gets um, not quite as much use, but pretty darn close, is pretty much any kind of a spook lure in this range of roughly four inches. This happens to be a rebel jumping minnow. Um, the most popular spook down here is the Super Spook Junior, the head and lure. I think it's about three and a half inches. It's a little bit smaller. I happen to prefer the Rebel um, because it's a, a little bit bigger. It happens to plow through a chop a little better, hold its motion. Um, and pretty much in both cases, in, in this case, what you're doing is working it with twitches where you, you get that darting action. This is a little bit similar where you're kind of, they call it a walk the dog motion where you want to have that thing on the surface zigzagging back and forth. Um, I've actually caught a tarpon on this, although it's not a typical tarpon lure, uh, but snook, redfish, trout, they'll all hit this. It's a spectacular lure. Between these two, wow, I, I, I gotta say, it, this might be 90% of the lures I'm gonna throw down here are gonna be spook or this. If you only have these two, you're, you're really good to go. That said, sometimes, you're going to be in situations where the water's a little bit deeper and you don't want to be using top water. Maybe it's the middle of the day and you're fishing deeper and deeper down here. I'm talking about three feet or four feet of water. That's deep because a lot of the fishing is done in less than two feet of water, especially on the flats with the redfish, um, with the jerk shads. Three to four feet, I actually consider to be fairly deep. This is, and it can be any lead head with a soft plastic. This is a tsunami. Uh, I think this is a Z-Man lead head. And you could either have this or you could have a small bucktail. I often use the uh, small bucktails and then tip that with either a gulp or some kind of a soft plastic. Um, so that's really it. If you've got these three down here in Southwest Florida, I don't know what else you need. Um, uh, if somebody said this is all I could have, well, that's fine with me. Like I said, 90% of the time I'm between these two and then the other 10% I'm throwing a jig with a soft plastic or a, a bucktail with a with soft plastic on it. So seven dead whales have washed up along the New York, New Jersey uh, beaches in the past month. The latest was a 32 foot humpback whale, a female in Brigantine. Now keep in mind, um, I'm wading into it. I'm wading into it. Keep in mind that a lot of the non-government environmental organizations, the NGOs, have been on the receiving end of some of the vast amounts of money that the wind developers are passing around. One of those that has not is Cindy Ziff and the folks at Clean Ocean Action. They pretty much stayed on the, on the outskirts of that, but they, well, they believe that the pre-construction activities going on on wind turbines may be to blame for all these whales washing up dead at the Jersey Shore. There was a press conference last week where Cindy Ziff executive director of Clean Ocean Action, she said, quote, stop all of the sonar, stop all of the pre-construction activity offshore right now until we can determine whether or not that has had any impact or any part of the cause for all of these whales washing up. So anyway, all this sonic testing for the wind farm locations, they don't directly kill whales. I mean, it's not like a death laser, but it is scientifically proven 
that all this additional sonic blasting and sonar, it does impact whales because that's how they communicate through sonar and especially humpback whales. So it could force them to beach themselves. It could become disorienting to the whales' migration patterns. They could maybe not be able to navigate their way around a big ship strike off, uh, off the three-mile line, you know, where those, where those big freighters are coming. Now, you know from reading the Fisherman magazine that I've done my own bit of research into offshore wind the past few years, which you'll find online at thefisherman.com. All you have to do is go, uh, go to our search menu and look up Myth or matter is offshore wind blowing in too fast. A few of the wind advocates have attacked me and others who've shared this information, which is fine, I've got a thick skin. And I'm just bringing this out there to make sure that we've covered all of our bases. But to this point, one of my biggest concerns has been the electromagnetic energies. If you consider all of these wind turbines in a wind field and all the cabling underneath, how is that going to affect bottom species like flounder, summer flounder. How will that affect those migrations? Well, flounder, for example, has documented, uh, has been documented as one of the only species that show avoidance characteristics around these electromagnetic, electromagnetic fields, EMF, okay? Research from Denmark has proven, well, it's proven that if we do the same thing here in the States, that we're going to see a change in flounder migration. So even if summer flounder migrations are off by 10% because of this EMF, that's going to have a grave impact on our summer flounder fishery. A lot. But the latest stories now gathering some attention, well, it includes this stuff from Atlanta County in the past week. Last week, the Atlantic City Press covered this. They said lawmakers, including Congressman Jeff Van Drew and Clean Ocean Action, are calling for a halt to this sonar and sonic blasting of future wind farm locations until the cause of these whale deaths is determined. That's not a lot to ask, right? Just more research. That's been the argument from the beginning, that basically certain scientific standards must be followed when fast-tracking these offshore wind locations. Well, here's a really interesting analysis I read the other day on social media by someone, by a woman named Barbara Lily McCall. She's at Protect Our Coast NJ. She tracked the survey vessel Fugro Enterprise starting in December out of New York with a documented destination of the Atlantic Shore offshore wind location. On December 10th, the first whale washed ashore in Strathmere. On December 12th, the second whale washed ashore in Brigantine. On December 23rd, a third whale washed ashore in Atlantic City. So when the Fugro Enterprise departs New York again for sonic testing on January 1st, again for the Atlantic Shore's location, on January 7th, the fourth whale washed ashore in Atlantic City, then on January 12th, a fifth whale washes ashore in Brigantine. Now, these are what Noah calls unprecedented um, mortality events, unprecedented whale mortality events. And, it, and, and then you've got the concentration of at least five of the dead whales in an offshore area being researched for wind development with what Miss McCall pointed out, listen, with the voyages of Fugro Enterprise indicating a nexus between offshore wind activities and the death of whales. So on one hand, you have the climate change activists who say to heck with any research for science because we don't build offshore wind farms. Right now, the world is gonna end. 
And on the other side, you have these dead whales. And NOAA Fisheries now tasked with studying what they call unusual mortality events over the past 30 some odd days. Nothing wrong with asking for a little bit more research. That's all a lot of folks are saying. Two sides coming together, maybe it is time to slow it down and look at more of this research. I got a couple of emails from um, my last week's report. One of the things I mentioned was shad, American shad, dropping down to just two in the future. And some people pointed out that the 2023 Freshwater Fisheries Digest here in the state of New Jersey doesn't show that. Well, that's true. The new shad restrictions are coming after the printing of that digest. So I followed up with the state of New Jersey. I received a follow-up note from the good folks at the Division of Fish and Wildlife who said they hope to see these new shad regulations in place by March 1st. So if you're a shad fisherman, this is what we've got coming. Here's the deal. The new regs will be six shad aggregate total, no more than two of which can be American shad. So fishermen can keep six hickories and no Americans, five hickories and one American, four hickories and two American shad, that's it. There is still no possession of American shad outside the Delaware River, so fishermen can keep up to six hickory shad only. So again, two American shad is gonna be your limit sometime in March. This still has to wind through the entire regulatory body. But that's what I found out from the New Jersey Marine Fisheries Council, that is coming. It doesn't say that in the digest yet, but you'll see the addendum coming sometime in March, so keep that in mind. Pensy Anglers, this Saturday, stop by Warminster. Say hello to my buddy John DeBona. We'll hook you up. He'll hook you up. I won't be there. Uh, I can't be there to hook you up with the BKK hooks and the fish bites because I'll be back in section 225 at the link this weekend. There is nothing like a Giants-Eagles playoff game. It is the best rivalry in the NFL. I know this is a fishing channel, but this is important stuff. Catch them up, my friends. I'll see you again next week, and hopefully cold-free, right here at thefisherman.com.